This. This is, this is diversified, diversified, diversified game, game, game. game. A podcast giving entrepreneurial advice from a diverse and inclusive perspective with Kelly. He may agree, he may oppose, and it's more than just race, it's about, you know, ideas. So, let the game begin. Hey, it's Kellen, and today, all the way from Kenya, hello, Mambo Kenya, I have Adin Muhammad from Echo Dudu, and I believe he's mentioned in this book and many other publications about Africa, um, and you guys know I love this book, and I love everything you know going on in Africa right now. Um, he's going to tell us how what inspired him to take bug larvae and turn it into animal feed and be successful at it. This is going to be one of those rare finds. You aren't going to find another brother like this. I don't care. You might have to go all the way again around the world because he's doing something that, you know, very few are doing. Adon, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Thank you. Thank you very much, Kellen. Doing good. Uh, nice to also be on the show. Um, so I'll just jump straight into uh, what we do. Um, and how we got here. Basically, I'll give you a brief uh, preview of uh, the history behind the Kududu and how it started. Um, so we actually, the idea came about when I was in campus. So um, I'm actually a, a, an engineer. So just fresh from campus, I went to work in an engineering firm, in a logistics company as an assistant engineer. Uh, but after six months of working there, I just felt like this is out of place. I don't need to be here. So I quit after six months. And then um, I found another job in a feed animal feed company. So that's actually where the basic idea of uh, the animal feed and BSF and lava came about. So specifically, I was working in the aqua feed sector, uh, dealing with uh, uh, the uh, fish meal and, uh, and uh, fish fish farmers. And that's where we actually got uh, most of the uh, market information. And I saw an opportunity, especially in the proteins aspect of the business. Um, so I actually uh, ventured out. So I actually quit again the second time from the animal feed uh, company and started my own. So basically what I did after that is basically copy what my boss was doing at that time. So uh, basically taking all the ingredients and then mailing it and then uh, sending it to uh, the market. Uh, it failed at uh, the first time uh, spectacularly, but I also managed to set up uh, an, uh, the same same, but with a, with a focus, especially on the animal feed uh, for the fish sector. So my key... Uh, point from here is that um, uh, after listening to the clients, I saw there's a huge opportunity in not making the complete animal feed, but just to supply them with the protein. Because uh, from 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 the formulations, protein is the most uh, expensive component of the animal feed sector. So if you get that right, you get the whole value chain right. So rather than focusing on uh, uh, competition uh, with other players who are making the complete feed, why, I asked myself, why can't I just focus on the protein and actually uh, turn this potential competition into clients? 
So what did I do? Um, I, I sold off all my assets uh, in, the, in, 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 this, in the previous business uh, and then used that uh, f- uh, funds to finance uh, the startup of EcoDudu. So I met up with my co-founder uh, who had already started uh, some research into the Black Soldier Fly Lobby. And um, from that, we were able to actually start uh, the R&D stage. Uh, so we did at, uh, actually two years of research uh, into this project, trying to see how we can actually commercialize and uh, what are the possible returns on investment. Uh, we officially incorporated the company in 2018. So legally, uh, legally we are two years old, but uh, unofficially we are close to four, four, four years old. Yeah. Well, you know, and you can say those um, numbers and that even that you're still here, that that's a great thing. But I think about the number of, you know, you graduated, you know, university 2016 and you're already here. Um, A lot of folks, you know, would say, well, he he took one job and then quit and then created his own. A lot of folks who haven't taken that jump to entrepreneurship would say, how did you finance it? And how, you know, let them know how you financed it so they can try to copy that same format. Okay, perfect. So in terms of financing that, uh, especially with my first business, I had to bootstrap. So uh, that's where actually family, friends come in. So uh, I had to start with that, but I actually started something really small just to get some traction in the market. So you, you always don't need to start really big. Just has, uh, start with something small and then see how to how, how far it will take you. Okay, so, you know, bootstrapping, no venture capital, no angel investors, just, you know, saving. And with that, I always like to throw that in. You weren't, you know, um, probably living high on the hog where you were, you know, dating a whole bunch and paying for a whole bunch of dinners for other people, as well as, you know, buying fancy brand name things. That, that probably was not in your, you know, daily or weekly um, plan, correct? Yeah, sure. <laughs> okay, because now, you know, since you've done so many interviews, um, you know, people will look at you and say, oh, he's successful. And what has he done that I haven't done? And a lot of people, they can look in their closet or they can look, you know, in their garage and then they can see what you did with your money and flipped it versus how they spent it as a consumer. Um, how do you know? And, and I'm just curious, just being nosy. How do you know, like, you have good feed for animals? It's not like they can tell you, hey, this is some good, you know, bring me some more of this. Like, how do you know when you have a great recipe and that, you know, you're doing your job right? Yeah, so uh, I think for this sector, uh, the most important thing is that um, uh, it's science. So for you to know you have really a really good product is for you to take your samples uh, to the labs, they'll give you a report on how good a product you have. So based on the report we got from the labs is that we're sitting on something that uh, typically can uh, offer a very good um, uh, value proposition for the clients. So once we got that information, it was now all about how do we get this thing into the market? Okay. And I know for, for somebody who is thinking like, wow, he took, you know, 
insect larvae and made it animal feed, how does he even go about, how do you even collect insects of that magnitude for it to make a difference? And he has a great video. It'll probably show somewhere throughout this video um, just to kind of show because it's a beautiful, you know, um, video you put together. But just can you give some insight on how you collect that much larva? Is, do you have to do it in a lab or does it start, you know, in your backyard? Um, so uh, actually when we started, I uh, started out in my backyard, as I've just mentioned, um, back then uh, just doing it and then, and then um members of my family actually coming to see what was, what was actually working on. And people are like, oh my God, Adam is going crazy and stuff. You should stop this. Um, what the hell are you working on? So uh, it took them a while for them to see what I was actually doing. And um, I, had, I, I had to actually, um, uh, and that's, that's a good thing, especially when you have a co-founder, um, in a business, it's always uh, recommended for you to get uh, another pair of hands to help you along the way. Uh, so with my co-founder, we'll actually be able to uh, develop a system that could be able to rear these insects on a mass scale. So we moved from the backyard uh, to, to, to a facility, uh, a farm, whereby we actually rear these insects uh, in cages. So we put them inside cages uh, they mate, they reproduce, and uh, we get the eggs, and then the eggs actually are fed on um, organic wastes uh, coming from uh, food, uh, food uh, industries. And um, after feeding these insects uh, on the wastes, we get the two byproducts. We get the larvae, and uh, what is left of the waste is also a fertilizer. Uh, that is used for crops. Now, you said family members thought you're crazy. You guys, Adan is born and bred in Nairobi. This is a, a black man saying, I'm going to go in the backyard and start doing insect uh, and, 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 you know, reproducing. Um, who did you have any support at all? Or did everybody just kind of think that you were just, you know, uh, a mad scientist? Uh, no, not really. Uh, the first time, of course, um, if, if you just show up with a bunch of larvae in your backyard, of course, everybody, everybody's going, going to think you're crazy. But um, I think after I explained the theory and uh, showed them how it works, I think gradually they started to accept um, and that's where the support came in eventually. Okay. And how long did that support take? Because I, you know, doing interviewing so many entrepreneurs, whenever you have that initial idea, it's sometimes you're on a lonely island by yourself. You're the only one who gets it besides your co-founder that, you know, you get it. So how long did it take for that to support to come? And did it only come when folks said, wait, he actually has a plan and this might make some money. Yeah, I think it took us uh, close to a year. Close to a year. Okay, okay. And then people, you know, started supporting. That's, um, yeah, that, yeah, that's... Now, have you always kind of been... You're, you're, you have the engineer mind. So have you always kind of been, you know, outside of the box and people say, okay, um, he's that's just, you know, I'm doing his thing. Um, you know, uh, it, it, has it always been like that? Or are you used to kind of fitting in? Uh, not really. Uh, I think um, I started off as an engineer. An engineer's uh, main role is to uh, 
see problems and trying to find solutions for these problems. So, um, but uh, I actually started in an engineering company. My main idea was to uh, find employment, become an engineer, and that was it. But uh, after a while, I found I found out that this thing is not cut out for me. Um, I needed somewhere where, where I could actually do my own things. So I think uh, back then that was the entre- entrepreneurship in me talking, and um, instinctively I followed that um, that feeling. Okay. Sometimes in, in the show, I can already hear folks who, you know, they don't fully understand how could he do this. And so let me ask the question and we get it out to say, you know, I I hear you talking about your co-founder. Um, is your co-founder a fellow Kenyan? Is he a Mzungu? Um, and, you know, does he have deep pockets? Um, tell us about your co-founder. Yeah. So my co-founder is Kenyan, um, uh, a fellow African. Uh, in terms of deep pockets, no. So same, 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 actually, um, uh, same position as I was. Uh, but but, but uh, the thing is, with a co-founder, is that um, you can always um, find someone, you can always delegate some of the tasks and um, uh, help you also look at your business from another point of view. That's really important for me. Yes, and I'm and I'm so glad to hear that you know because it, it just shows the 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 brain power in Africa in Kenya. We always hear about a brain drain, and someone like you, you know, having to come to Canada or the states, Australia, to you know have this go and and have it be funded. Um, has angel investors or VC been able to impact your business at all? Yeah, sure. So um, just after incorporation, um, what what we saw is that uh, now we took we took the the product to market and um, we started getting a lot of uh, um, guys interested. Uh, so uh, as you're speaking, there are a lot of guys, especially in the African market, trying uh, trying to actually impact businesses that are um, uh, founded by local founders. And uh, in 2018, actually towards uh, early 2018, just after, after incorporation, we managed to secure uh, fa- funding from a, a, a bank in Morocco uh, to, scale our, to scale our business. So you find that, um, uh, yes, there are banks who are willing to finance. And then uh, towards the end of last year, uh, we got VC funding also to scale up our, our, our plant. So yes, uh, right now, especially in the African ecosystems, there are very many opportunities and uh, we're seeing quite a lot of guys now coming in. Okay, no, that's that's great. Are you still able, you know, when they come in, are they coming in like the um, vultures? I mean, venture uh, capitalists, are they coming in as angels and are you still able to control your company? Yeah, so uh, the, the, the key thing, especially with the angel investors, is uh, um, you, need, you need also to, it's not just about the money. It's also about um, how do you actually guys partner with these guys? Uh, what value are, are they actually bringing to the table? So we, we actually um, had, had a chat with an uh, African founder of a VC company uh, in Germany. Um, 
actually his model is I, I don't think there's any VC firm currently in the world doing what these guys are doing. So they come in in that they tell you, okay, um, we're going to give you results for equity. So for example, you tell us what milestones you need us to do for you. If we do that, you issue, you compensate us with equity. So uh, it's not like uh, different, uh, the conventional VC whereby they just pump in money and then they expect you to deliver. If you don't deliver, there are issues that will crop up. Okay, and, and you know that, you know, if you would have went to Lion's Den, the show, you would have been one of those like in the quick clips, like I want to take insect larva and make it animal feed. We would have saw you like in the commercials, whatnot. Um, and, 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 you know, does that ever, you know, come into your mind to say, wait, we could really maybe, you know, brand this a certain way by having, you know, Olive, who is a friend of the show here, or Kevin or Chris, you know, kind of, you know, promote this because it would sound crazy in a commercial, like a quick little five second clip. But then when you show the numbers and your success, you know, you could end up getting a deal. Is that, has that ever crossed the mind or do you not need funding anymore? Um, I think for, for us, um, especially for me, what I've seen, especially um, uh, I'll give you from experience um, uh, from, from especially 2018, we received quite a lot of money, I would say. Uh, but what I've seen is, uh, for example, in building a business, money is not king. What's actually king is strategy and the structure you have in place. Because uh, just after that, we pumped all the uh, money in the business. And uh, I can tell you after 12 months, we were actually almost running bankrupt. So the thing is, it's not about the money. Uh, it's about the structure you have in your business. You may have a really bad structure and uh, you go out there, you get a lot of funding, but after two or three years, you have nothing to account for. Mm. Yeah. Now, now, I, I want to even go deeper on that money because, you know, I'm glad you said you guys have it no more because, you know, somebody will become knocking at the door saying, hey, I, I, I heard you can help me. Um, but can you talk about was it just in, you know, building too quick and buying too much and not being able to produce and being able to sell it? Or was it um, putting the money into things that could have waited? Yeah. So uh, I think when we were starting, there wasn't a lot of info or research done on this, on this, uh, on this field. So we were actually basically trying things out. So most of the, actually most of the funding went towards um, CapEx and uh, we found out that we had little money actually in running the business. So we we're having a lot of liquidity issues and uh, this was really affect affecting the business. Uh, looking back now, I'm saying if you had the proper structures and the strategy in place, I think we'll have done a, a much better job. And um, I'm, I, sometimes I ask myself, what if that money had been a VC um, uh, funding uh, and they'll, uh, they'll, they were actually expecting returns for, the, for, for example, in three years or four years, that will be really uh, something that will weigh down on the company and myself and my co-founder. So um, 
I think we learned quite a lot from that experience. And uh, right now, the thing is for you to actually uh, 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 scale as a business, uh, what, what I'll stress out is, is the structure and the strategy. If you put that in place, you have a good, um, solid um, um, uh, structure in place. And then uh, the other things will come in later. They'll just come naturally. So, so that first uh, funding, was that an angel or what was that? A, you know, maybe you won a pitch competition. Where did that money come from? Uh, it was actually a grant, a grant from a bank. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Um, you know, hey, that's, that's a great way to test the idea, because I think a lot of folks, they might hear this and think, wait, you get all this money, you can do whatever you want with it. And that's not necessarily true. But if it's a, a grant and you've already, you know, you're trying something, and it's a grant that that's yep. better than a, a vulture who would literally want to close your doors. And they, you know, when venture capitalists give money, they say, we'll spend on 20 to hit on one and the others, they really could care less. I'm part of a fund actually. Um, and, you know, all these investors, it's kind of clear. That's what their thing is. And yeah. You're like, hold on. I don't personally like that model because, but I get it. That's the venture vulture <laughs> mentality. Well, um, and and you have a, a young team. I mean, people can go to your beautiful website and see you have a, a young team. And I, and I love that because, you know, we're, we're all young. Uh, some of us just have gray hairs in, in our, our hair just a little bit, but, um, you know, still under, under 40 and, you know, was that intentional to have a young team? Because I, and I'm setting you up for your answer. I just want to say it. Yeah. I have nothing against the wisdom. I have mentors, you know, who mentor me that are much older, but there's a, a difference when you're able to have a young team who understand technology because they grew up in this. So back to my question, was it intentional or did things just kind of work out like that? Uh, yeah, I think for us, starting all the way, it was uh, really intentional um, in terms of uh, innovation, especially. Uh, we, were we were trying out a new product in the market. We, we couldn't know how this would go. The best way to do that is trying to find um, um, creative minds. Things, uh, guys will actually see a problem and try and address it innovatively, uh, give us new ideas and see which of the ideas do we actually uh, 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 seriously have a look at and try and implement. So that was really key uh, when starting the business. Of course, um, uh, for, for you to scale, you'll also need um, uh, uh, um, guys who've actually been in the business and know how things run. So for that, we've actually uh, also on the admin side, we have an advisory board. So we take all these uh, crazy ideas and now just pitch it to them and see which of them actually will make sense. So it's actually a fine balance between the two. But in terms of the day-to-day -day running of the business, I think young guys will do a much, a much better job. Okay, and we, and we see that, you know, the, the countries, um, Ethiopia, Kenya, Rwanda, that have put young people in the forefront versus places like Cameroon, where your average person at top is 65 and older and, you know, 
typing like this, um, there, there's a difference. But I also want to brag on you and congratulate you because, you know, I know we said guys and, you know, we said guys, folks, but he has women, too. Um, his, you know, his co-founder is a, a woman and his COO. And I think that a lot of times African companies um, run by men, you know, it's like, oh, man, this is just another good old boys club. But from the start, you've opened it up to say, I don't care what your sex is. <laughs> I just need somebody who is capable. So I think that's a beautiful thing. And that should be highlighted because uh, that's not highlighted enough. Yeah, that, that's that's actually true, especially with the I've seen, especially with the, this sector. I think it may not be specific for me. Uh, I don't want to general, generalize this, but um, especially for, for the protein sector, you have to be really attentive to details. And a uh, good thing about especially women, they're really good at that. So on areas that you actually have to be very attentive to details in terms of the processes and stuff, uh, what I've done in, uh, intentionally is to put women in charge. No, that, that's awesome. That's awesome. I, I like to do the same thing with our, our companies, um, you know, and, and I encourage even governments to, to do it. We might just see different results and, and get a different perspective. I mean, women are the, you know, they are the majority anyway in the world. And so you can get the majority um, thinking process. Now, you know, I, I remember downtown going through Nairobi and, um, a YouTuber of mine and a friend of mine, African Tigress, um, showed me something that just made me stop in Nairobi. And so I'm thinking about your company just off the top. And she and it was Jumia we passed by. And I looked at Jumia and I it was like, la la, like I you could hear like in the movies, you know, the the angel saying, I stopped and I said, I gotta check this out because I said, Oh the Amazon of Africa, I just passed by. Um, your product looks like something that could be sold, not just on Jumia, but I, I invest in, in Jumia, small, small, but even on Amazon, um, can, is that in the, the future where people can just order it on Jumia and or Amazon in the States? So uh, for us, our current strategy is uh, mainly B2B. So um, our product is mostly uh, uh, inputs. So this input is uh, mostly required by the, by the manufacturers. So we provide protein that will be used to actually uh, formulate the complete feed. So without the complete feed, uh, without the protein, you can't have the complete feed. So uh, naturally a product will not go directly to the, to the consumer, but will, it will pass through the feed manufacturer and then find its way to the um, um, end consumer. So in terms of also um, online shopping and stuff, I think that's an area we need to also really consider, not on the protein side, but also on the fertilizer side. I think that's an area we'll definitely uh, have a look at. Okay. And, and I say that because I was looking online on the packaging and I said, oh, this is packaged, um, you know, quite well. Like this could be, you know, easily sent um, in a container or, or whatnot. So, you know, and and I'm always thinking, too, you know, I, I don't know if you've ever been to the States, but in Africa, the food is so much richer, like you can taste the difference of, you know, the meat just, you know, getting it right on the street, you taste the difference versus here, 
I mean, have you been to the States? Uh, not really. Not really. I haven't been to the States. Okay. I mean, I, my wife is from Cameroon. And when she first came here, she would be like, oh, what are you guys, you know, what are you feeding? Like this McDonald's and this processed stuff. She would just be ready to, you know, spit it out. And she would. And to this day, I mean, it's 18 years later and she's still like, I can taste the difference and I can taste it too. But, you know, we're kind of, we used to be addicted to McDonald's. That's what we grew up on. So we don't want to necessarily throw up. It's almost like a, maybe a comfort food for some. Um, I try to stay away from it. As you can see, um, we try to stay, stay fit, but I could see that being a selling point for a farmer saying we get our doo-doo meal, you know, it's making our animals stronger, just like, what you're eating overseas, because that's a big thing. Even if you go to Mexico, people will say, you know, the food tastes different. Even the Cokes taste different. There's just different. So I could see that being a selling point. And we're doing, doing all this talk about food. I just got to ask you, what is your favorite food? Um, I think my favorite is sushi. So uh, there was a time I traveled to Japan, had, had really nice uh, uh, tour, and um, uh, that's why I actually fell in love with sushi. So for me, sushi all day. S- sushi all day. A very non-Kenyan answer. But that- <laughs> <laughs> so for, Kenyan, for, uh, for Kenyan food, I, I really like ugali and uh, nyama choma. I don't know if you know that. Yeah, yeah, of course. I've had it. I, I've had it right there from Nairobi to Mombasa, you know. Okay. Yeah. And, 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 you know, it was, and, and I don't know if you see this, but I mean, I keep my, you know, my, 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 yeah. And, you know, you can't take it off. So um, that, that, no, I love that. And that, you know, sushi, do you get real good sushi um, all over Kenya? Or is there like, do you have to be in like the Westlands to get the the best sushi? Who has the best sushi um, in Kenya? Uh, there's a Japanese restaurant in Westlands, so I think for me that's that's where I go. But I can't say I know the best sushi uh, currently in Kenya. But this is my favorite restaurant. Okay, awesome. Now, with you, all the success that you are having and that you're going to have in the future, what is a community give back that you are doing or that you want to do? Yeah. Uh, I think for me, uh, especially when starting out, uh, uh, partnerships with the local community played a key role in how we started and sustained the business. In terms of giving back, what we're actually trying to do is uh, trying to uh, 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 now bring in more guys into what you call an outgrower model. This is where we've, we're actually engaging the community, young guys also, to do insect farming. So we train these guys, we uh, uh, do contracts with them, we make them sign contracts, and then we trade them, and then they use their own waste at their local area, they collect their own waste, uh, um, and then uh, we provide them with the insects, more like an input, or uh, seeds, you know, the ways uh, seed companies provide seeds to farmers for them to grow, and then they, they buy back. So we use the same same model where we provide eggs uh, to these uh, young guys. 
they feed it on their waste, and then we buy back the protein and the fertilizer from them. This way, we, we are actually giving back to the society whereby we're providing employment and uh, uh, we're also uh, scaling our capacity at the same time. Um, if you come, if you, I think you've been to Kenya, close to uh, 60 to 70% of the population are young guys. Um, and um, uh, employment is really a big issue here. Um, and one of the reasons why you find most of the young guys actually most of the innovations coming from Kenya is because there are not a lot of jobs in the market. So people have to look for other ways to generate revenue. And what you're trying to, what you're trying to do is trying to also, uh, also try and address that problem. And, and that's a great goal. People would say, hey, that's a great goal to have. And I, I think, you know, hiring people is a great thing. But for the entrepreneur, you know, even more importantly, that providing for families. But as long as you know in your mind you can provide for so many people, you'll never be broke. You'll never be without because it's like the drive is, I, if I can provide for everybody else, I should be able to provide for myself and, you know, things are, are flowing. And, you know, I, I look at what's happening right now in like Kibera where, you know, they're there and you don't have to comment on it if it's not um, something not of interest. But, you know, people are getting kicked out of their uh, homes um, without, you know, a, a proper notice to be able to do something. But when I went through Kibera, I'm looking at I see a gold mine. I say, you know, where can we buy? Where can we invest? Um, and I know, you know, a lot of that is government land. And, and, and that's some of the issues sometimes when you're in Africa that the government has to be wanting to sell it to you. And a lot of times you have to be so big for them to, you know, but a lot sometimes it happens where you don't have to be big. Um, so, you know, I, I see so much opportunity there and so much talent that, you know, we made a, a, a documentary through there that will be shortly on Amazon Prime um, with a client of mine. But there, there is so much talent from the universities to Kibera and all people need is that opportunity. In the words of Nipsey Hussle, the, you know, RIP, you know, you always knew you were great. You just need a platform to explain it and show your greatness. And yeah. so that, that that's a beautiful thing. And I don't want to give the people a game overload, but if you could leave um, the people with anything, you know, of inspiration, please let it be known and, and where they can find you to connect if they have something um, to contribute. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. So uh, for me, basically, what what we've actually been doing uh, with Ecodudu is uh, is more like a long term approach or strategy. Um, so we are here, especially in the African space, to stay. So uh, we are intentional about twenty thirty years from now, you'll still uh, find Ecodudu in the African market. Our main goal is to uh, be all, uh, ultimately. Uh, the leading uh, producer of uh, alternative protein in the African market. Our main target is the African market. And the reason why we're doing that is, for example, Africa is home to the fastest growing population. I think by 2050, we'll have a third of the population in the world here in Africa. And uh, we need solutions uh, for this. Um, we understand the market uh, better than anyone else. Because we've actually, we are actually based here. We talk to the clients. We um, 
We are always uh, also trying to see areas that you can always change. So my, my key point here is that um, we are always uh, looking for partnerships, uh, guys who we can work with, especially who are also interested in uh, coming here in the African uh, ecosystem. And uh, if you want to find us, we are based in Nairobi. Uh, you can check us out on our website, uh, www.ecodudu.com. Uh, you can also check us on Twitter at Ecodudu KE. Uh, you can also check us uh, on LinkedIn. You can find more information about us, our team, and our products. Thank and, you. you know, let me not end it with making sure, you know, around the world, when you say doo-doo, it's pretty much universal. But is that where the name comes from? Just explain the name real quick before we sign off. Yeah, so doo-doo uh, means insect in Swahili. Okay, okay. Because, you know, doo-doo, worldwide, you know, people are like, yeah, so I'm glad you 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 broke that down and so people can know. Because even though it, it means insect in Swahili, and here in America, people will see it as, um, you know, um, feces and excrement. But wherever you go, it doesn't necessarily, it's not something that you want. <laughs> it's some, you know, it's something that you're usually trying to avoid. So whether it's an insect or if it's feces, you're trying to avoid it. And that just shows how humans are all kind of just, we're just one, we're just all crazy in our own, you know, um, our own bubbles, but have similarities. So mm -hmm. I thank you for, for coming on. Thank you. Thank you very much, Kellen, for having me. Thanks for getting in the game and listening to the Diversified Game Podcast with Kellen, the number one show pairing entrepreneurship with diverse and inclusive perspectives like wine and cheese, bagel and locks, fish and grits. Be sure to visit DiversifiedGame.com for all the good stuff. Join in the conversation and discover more content.